the known universe. And the award for Best Supporting Actor is... I'm Brandon. And special guest starring as Zara, it's Zara Finley Shuris. Hey, bud. I'm the bud to your Rudy Huxtable. I'm Deep Moody. Welcome, everybody. We're back in the Totes Faves Battle Dome. 2018, 18, 18, 18. <laughs> Wow, who had the... Deepu, you now have a, a reverb machine? Is that, <laughs> yeah, that for Christmas? Me. Mr. Philadelphia, Deepu Marty. <laughs> Whoa, the Mr. Philadelphia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um... We were in the mood for it's Oscar season officially as of last week. We were talking about favorite movies, and within that, our most favorite part about it are the best supporting actors. And specifically, we're not talking about actors tonight. We are talking about characters. Define best supporting characters. (laughs) Yeah, so... One of the best categories at the Oscars is kind of the unsung uh, supporting actors because like they kind of, they always say in that spiel that these are the people there are no small parts only small actors blah 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 but it, it is a thing where a, a, a movie is only as good as its 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 ensemble so we were tossing around whether to do best character actors best uh, best uh, actors best actresses we landed on characters because it, it kind of sums up all of it um and the way i was kind of looking i think we all did a good job in our picks where it's not necessarily and then when there's an ensemble movie and everyone has like one piece of it but it really is a character whose point is to make the other characters better yeah i made sure it was like very clear with all my picks that they are not the star like it's hard sometimes. It is hard sometimes. And I also fell in because we've done sidekicks before, but I do think it's a key difference between a sidekick and a supporting character. Because it's someone who can sort Especially- of steal the scene out from under. I feel like sidekicks rarely fully steal scenes where a best supporting actor can have an amazing moment or an amazing like part in within a movie that's their own. The very difficult part, though, is that we limited this just to movies, or else I would have picked uh, Laurie Metcalf as Aunt Jackie. But to be clear, there is no television allowed. Laurie Metcalf was Laurie Metcalf was on my list too for Lady Bird, but originally, and then I got rid of her because I first misinterpreted our category, thinking it was actual best supporting actors, and that it was the actors who played these American uh, amazing characters. And so I had her, who actually is up for a Best Supporting Actor nomination for her role in Lady Bird, which was amazing. And I also just want to throw it out there in the beginning, is just as a slight spoiler, is that although a couple times on this list we've we've gone we get close to Laura Dern, and I've wanted to put some Laura Dern parts, <laughs> there is no Laura Dern. I'm just letting get putting that out. Oh there. wow, but major okay. spoiler. <laughs> but she gets an honorable mention from the top. I'm just like putting it right there that I've wanted to put Laura Dern in a couple places here. <laughs> and I'm sure we all did. And I think we may have just like, you know, thought that We're one of us would put Laura Dern in. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm putting it out. I'm just giving her an honorable mention right from the beginning. Um so that no one gets mad at us for not including her. <laughs> well, let's get this party started. <laughs> That'll begin 
Round 1. Tony Curtis as Shell Oil Jr. in Some Like It Hot. Versus. Marisa Tomei as Mona Lisa Vito in My Cousin Vinny. Oh, such good choices. These <laughs> are really good off the start. <laughs> Uh, should I go first? <laughs> yeah. Okay, my pick was a character that I didn't even know the name of. Um, it's basically Tony Curtis's role within a role in the movie Some Like It Hot from 1959. This is the Billy Wilder classic comedy. It's often voted the number one comedy movie ever made, the number one movie ever made. I think it has like a 98 on Rotten Tomatoes. It is fantastic, so if you haven't seen it, Definitely watch it. It has Marilyn Monroe, Tony Curtis, and um, Jack Lemmon. And Tony Curtis within this movie, the basic plot is um, Tony C- Curtis and Jack Lemmon are two out-of-work musicians. They witness a mafia hit. And in order to escape the mob who are chasing them, they decide to dress as women and join a girls' band in Florida. But, of course, what happens on the way to Florida is that Tony Curtis falls in love with the mem- a member of the girls' band played by Marilyn Monroe. And in order to seduce her, he decides he needs to dress up with the thing that she wants the most in the universe, which is a millionaire. And the, it's just the funniest take on what a millionaire is. And it's playing into, like, she gives him clues of what she wants in a man, which is, like, a millionaire, and he likes his family, and he's independent and everything. And so he does this character that's basically a bad-slash-very-good Cary Grant impression. And it's just Tony Curtis with a sailor hat and glasses. And it's so funny. It's so weird. And he really... So in this movie, not only is Tony Curtis playing a fairly convincing woman, because I do like this, even for the time, they're dressed up as women, but they're playing... It's like they're not playing drag characters. They're playing women. <laughs> um, and so okay, there are some... Tony fun- Curtis is Jack Lemon. Jack Lemon is, is a... Co- I'd say he plays it more for laughs. Laughs spelled yeah. L-A-F-F-S. <laughs> um, but Tony Curtis, like, does a pretty good, like, just being a woman. And... Um, so yeah, that's that was my pick is his character who's technically called Shell Oil G. So my character is uh Marissa Tomei's uh character from my cousin Vinny, who is um Mona Lisa Vito, uh who is the uh girlfriend of my, of my cousin Vinny, particularly uh, Ralph Macchio's cousin Vinny from the classic classic movie uh my Cousin Vinny, which is a comedy, but one of those like f- very well-constructed comedies. And yes, she won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress for this role in, in a comedy, which is one of like the hardest things to do. Because um, not only does she have one of the best payoffs in movie history, bringing all of the threads together in, in, in the courtroom at the end, but she makes every scene better that she's in, and not... Always steals it, but always supports Vinny in a way that makes his performance better. Um, I think it is one of the all-time best comedies. I think her role in particular is one of the all-time best comedic roles, which is funny because it is also going against, I will admit, one of the all-time great comedic roles. Um, Did Tony Curtis get a nomination or a win on Some Like It Hot? He did not. I was just looking into the awards one, and it seems Jack, like Jack Lemon did. It was only for best costume design, but let me just double check that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they had a point. The costume design is incredible, especially for Marilyn Monroe's uh, sparkly dress. That's like basically sheer. Um, 
I'm looking yeah, it up. Um, Jack Lemmon was nominated for Best Actor. Uh, best Actor, not Best Supporting Actor. No, because I think it's very... I think Tony Curtis is legitimately the supporting Yeah. Role. Like, he's a, a bunch of little star turns. It's just... His Cary Grant is so funny and so, like, cute and manipulative in a manipulative way, but it's, like, very funny where he's playing up the tropes about, like, there's an amazing scene where he's pretending he can't, like, ever feel or be in love again, and so Marilyn Monroe keeps trying to, like, make out with him until he basically, like, feels aroused, I guess, and it's just this incredible... It's an amazing comedic bit, and um, but yes, it is hard because my cousin Vinny, Vinny is like also one of the number one top comedy movies, especially especially that moment when she's on the witness stand and uh, it's the most important role of a feminist in the 1980s. Yeah, you know, it's this thing where there's always that um, there's always that moment that's your Oscar moment, and that this that on the stand is definitely that. No, the part where her, the clock's ticking, like when she does that stomping thing. Yes. That's her, that's her montage moment. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Deepu, what side are you, are you feeling here? You got the time. Oh, so I love Some Like It Hot. I only saw it last year for the first time ever. Um, But I really feel like the penultimate character in that movie was Jack Lemon, and I feel like he totally overshadowed um, whatever that other guy's name is. <laughs> Whereas in My Cousin Vinny, putting Ralph Macchio aside, <laughs> um, I thought Marissa Tomei's character was like, I- I'm trying to decide like who's the best character for me is half like who made the movie, but the other half is like who do I want to go get brunch with? And I, I just have to go with Marissa Tomei's character. I think should all of our categories be decided with who I want to get brunch with? <laughs> yes. That's what it all comes yes. down to, really. Um, I mean, I'm fine to relinquish because Mar- Marissa Tomei in that role, Mona Lisa, is that's an amazing character. Yeah. And she does, I like what amazing. you said about how she made um, like Vinny a better character. Seeing her in his life gives him more dimensions as a character. It's the only likable thing about him. Yeah. It's the only likable thing. You yeah, believe because she likes it, there must be something good about it. Yeah. I also say what makes me really like her as a character, too, is that she helps... Because um, Vinny would just be a clown kind of character, but you get all of the interesting pieces of who he is through her, like all of his background. Um, and without her... Without that character, he would just be, you know, it would be just a stupid, easy comedy. And she adds a little bit more to that. All right, we're going with Mona Lisa. (laughs) Mona Lisa (laughs) smiles. Jeff Goldblum as Dr. Ian Malcolm in Jurassic Park versus James Franco as Harry Osborne in Spider-Man. First of all, I love the pronunciation of Spider-Man. The computer always called it Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Uh, Spider-Man, your table's ready. Spider-Man has been on um, the show before. <laughs> that was specifically from the British adaptation of the comic book. <laughs> the amazing Spider-Man. Um, I'm going to take this opportunity to go first because I know I'm going to lose. Uh, <laughs> I think... Uh, James Franco from the 2002 Spider-Man 1 movie 
And the reason I picked it, it might just center on this. It, it was a, a whole new take on Harry Osborn's character. So for people that aren't familiar with the franchise of Spider-Man, Harry Osborn was Peter Parker, Spider-Man. Spider-Man's best friend. Um, his dad ends up being the Green Goblin. And in all other ones, Harry's like a little bit evil and like a little bit bad and sort of drinks a cup cup of tea of his dad's tea and becomes an evil green goblin also. But in the 2002 Tobey Maguire version, James Franco just plays a total dummy. He's practically just a golden retriever turned human who just loves his dad too much, so turns into a hop goblin villain. And he just walks around with poofy hair and a dimwit smile, and all of a sudden turns into a villain, and I love it. Like, I love it, I love it, I love it of how dumb he is. So I just picked him because I um it's such an interesting portrayal of a well-known character. So I went with uh Dr. Ian Malcolm in Jurassic Park. And I'll tell you why in particularly, because uh because we've talked about Jurassic Park, I feel, a bunch on this show because you know Zara and I both love Jurassic Park. But I think when it comes <laughs> to Andy Pooh. I love it also. <laughs> is that you know, here's what, I think that when it comes to a supporting character, you get a lot of times in a movie you'll have the character that lays down the rules. And it's in great science fiction, you always have that you have the one character. It's usually a scientist that lays down the the law and all of the rules. But in a movie full of scientists, I love that they have a rock star scientist who is like sexy scientist, sexy and like (laughs) devil may care. And what's awesome is that he is the founder of chaos theory and he himself is is chaos. He loves chaos and the book especially gets way into chaos theory. It's more into that than it is dinosaurs, I feel, because there's chapters. There's a lot of math in the book. Um, chaos and math. Um, but Jeff Goldblum <coughs> and the writers of that movie lay down the laws of something will happen, something will go wrong in two, gr- I think it's two great monologues. And they both come from him and they instantly turn a movie that could be a dumb dinosaur movie into something very, very smart and very, very cool. I mean, it's not even but a contest. <laughs> Go ahead, Dimu. <laughs> Sorry, do we not care that he's the most annoying human in the world? I think you just need to watch the. I, how is it? Thirty-six hours of him laughing on YouTube. <laughs> that looped video of him in the helicopter going to Jurassic Park. It's a uh, remarkable work. Um, but one thing, I think a credit to him. You can't like un Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum, like whatever role he's handed, he makes it his own, and you have to like it or you can dislike it. It's fine. That's your prerogative. But. As a reader of the book, like there's nothing in there that makes him a sexy leather jacket, cool guy, narcissist. They scientist. say that he is like difficult and that he's like, you know, it's in there a little bit, but the fact that he took it and ran with it. But if he put dropped water on my hand, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> So I guess we can agree that both of these um, characters, they really, the actors made it their own version of the character. 
I, I remember say, James oh. Franco being very angsty in this role, but this was the angsty movie, wasn't it? Yeah, no, 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 no. That for him, he's no, supposed three to be was the angsty. angsty one. I think he does a pretty good job with that character of in that first movie. That first movie is still great. Still oh, in the holds first up. one, yeah. Um, he does a very good job of uh, just being like the the rich kid best friend, which he's supposed to be in that in that moment. Um, and but also just being a golden retriever version of the character that's it's just it's so silly because it's james franco and he just has this goofy smile all the time when he sees um peter and i just it, it, it was just like um i know this isn't gonna do well, well so i just picked up gold yeah I, to make I appreciate he, he exists to give because spider-man's supposed to be spider-man is about <laughs> Um, showing that it's all about a balance of having a personal life and being a superhero. That is what Spider-Man is about at its core. And so he's supposed to be the thing of like, well, Spider-Man has to fight this, his best friend's dad. And so he's, he's he just loves his dad too much. Yeah. He's, he makes you feel bad when Spider-Man has to kill Norman Osborn. Um, yeah. That's cool, but but yeah, Doctor Ian Malcolm. Sorry, <laughs> I get it. I get it. Robbie Coltrane as Rubius Hagrid in Harry Potter versus Roddy McDowell as Cornelius from Planet of the Apes. Oh, interesting. <laughs> um, should I go first? I'll go first. Um, so I picked. Uh, Brandon and I have been working our way through the modern adaptations of Planet of the Apes, and they're surprisingly good. I recommend you watch watch them all. They're very deep, and I've wept in all of them. Um, but I'm going to go back to the original Planet of the Apes from 1968, um, where a man finds himself in an, an, a world ruled by apes, and one of the most charming apes that he encounters is called... Dr. Cornelius, he is a chimpanzee ape and a scientist, kind of scientist slash archaeologist because he's also excavating um, ruins and trying to find artifacts in the Forbidden Zone. Um, And I just love, I saw these movies, I think on Comedy Central or TNT, like when I was very, very young, absolutely loved them um, and loved how expressive Ronnie McDowell could be <laughs> through the mask, this like very puppety ape mask of the late 60s. Um, he is charming. He is worried. And you know how much I love a worried character. That's usually my number one qualifier for a good character. Um, he has a very like developed multi-dimensional relationship with his wife, Zira, who is um, a fan of the humans and also trying to discover the truth of the Forbidden Zone. Um, and it just, they made them like real characters, which is fun because as a silly sci fi movie, it was nice seeing like these interesting characters and they have, you know, ups and downs in their own relationship and in, you know, conflicts going on from all sides, from work and from being like with each other and the discovery of humans who can now speak. Um, and it just was such a good just the best ape character and i loved him um unlike zara when i made this choice (laughs) i really thought what it means to support somebody and when i think of somebody supportive i think of somebody that's friendly charming consistent 
seven feet tall and hairy. <laughs> um, I picked Hagrid because in the movies, he is just the most lovable, adorable oaf in the world. And I know it's a little hard because it's across seven movies, maybe eight movies. Yeah, because there's seven books and eight movies. But in some ways, he's the only consistent thing in Harry Potter's life. Or all those kids' lives. While everything around them is changing, parents die, Sirius Black dies, Dumbledore dies. And here is Hagrid, this lovable oaf of a man whose only goal is to support those kids, make them take it down. And he brings a sense of joy and relief and respite to what are often dark times uh, in the Harry Potter universe. And even carries major parts of plots in two out of the eight movies. So I just thought, like, when I was thinking of who is a a, a rock of supporting stability, I I knew I had to pick somebody from the Harry Potter universe. And I was thinking about McGonagall. But then I was like, I think Hagrid is the rock. Well, I liked, I do like Hagrid. And actually, I was recently flipping channels and it must have been... Oh, it's the one when he has Buckbeak, the hippogriff. And there's that great scene where they're trying to hide Buckbeak so he doesn't get taken away by the Ministry of Magic. Because remember when Hagrid's collecting all the weird animals. And it is a very good scene. I do like it. But what I, speaking of support, I would say Dr. Cornelius is able to support the movie starts as if the man is the protagonist but what is revealed through the course of the movie it's really dr cornelius and dr zero's zero doctor yes maybe uh, i don't think it's a scientist he's, he's definitely dr. he's definitely cornelius. dr cornelius so he is it becomes sort of their movie and actually if you watch the sequels it becomes very much their movie um well, because they were so popular. They were so popular. But it was like a runaway hit. It's, because, it's an unexpected so I, runaway I hit. I have to throw it out there, Deepu, and I, I might be able very easily swayed on this. But uh, yeah. Zara and I were talking, and he was in. My, he was like my number five. I moved him off my list. We, we weren't talking to each other at all, and we had settled on Cornelius from Planet of the Apes. Uh, because we've been talking about the Apes movies a lot lately. But um, uh, I do love Hagrid as a character. I think he shows that there are um, consequences in the, in the wizard world in a good way, mm-hmm. because he was a wizard, and they took that away from him, which always feels so mean. And what? I, I totally thought, forgot about that. <laughs> Yeah, when they take the wizardry away from him and they break his wand and stuff. And I also find very... Also, in many of the weird um, writing problems with Harry Potter is that once the good guys come back into power and they can do whatever they want, why is Hagrid still not a wizard? But did the bad guys... Yeah. Was that before Harry? Dumbledore took it away because he was um, hiding the the the, um, the spider in his in his room. Oh, it became too dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which seems a little unrelated to being able to use magic or not. Like this is sort of two like, separate. It'd be like, oh, you you got a puppy? I guess I'm gonna uh, make you not drink milk anymore. But when you, you have know? Slytherin harboring actual terrorists. It, it, through those books, those kids are like aiding and the basilisk, terrorism. but I guess they didn't really know about the basilisk. No, those kids are aiding terrorism <laughs> in that world, and Hagrid were just hiding an innocent spider. Anyway, um, I know. Maybe they're getting to the deeper thing where it just seems like Hagrid isn't very bright, and so maybe it's more of a deeper thing of like he can't handle magic because he doesn't know what he does with it. 
But again, I guess I'm only picking characters that vaguely remind me of Golden Retrievers. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) Roddy McDowell acts so well through the mask. Especially with all this talk of now of Doug Jones and how great he is and Shape of Water and everything. Is that Roddy McDowell in 1960s unmovable, basically wearing a puppet on his head, is so emotive and so good at acting flummoxed oh he has the best worried face i'm gonna gonna have to stop you because your words we are not picking the actors we're picking the characters that they play (laughs) this this comes right after we just spent five minutes discussing marissa tomei yeah, yeah. Oh no, yes. Well, no, also, we talk about the character. Uh, I, that's what, what my might. I'm. I feel like I am moving a little bit towards Hagrid here. Um, I love Doctor Cornelius. I also want to bring up is how much Zara felt deeply for Baby Cornelius in the newest. That's a spoiler. Sorry. <laughs> um, hopefully by now it's been two years. Well, it's been a year out for a full year. Yeah. But, but Zara uh, felt deeply for baby. Cornelius. Oh my god, baby chimp <laughs> in the rain. Oh my god, too much. Um, I hate to admit this because it might revoke my friendship with you, but I've never seen a single Planet of the Apes movie from any any time. Just watch the first one, like the first. Oh, actually, speaking well, of James Franco, of James if you want he's in the the first new one. I think you can oh, watch hubba, the hubba, new hubba. series without watching the old series. Yeah. There's only Easter eggy stuff in the newer ones. They're really good. They're really dark. <laughs> and like they deal with real. As a tri- I always say, as a trilogy, it is probably the best modern science fiction trilogy. And it looks amazing. It's. It, it's like all basically CGI in a way. But you would never, but you would know, never know. Except that the apes are walking around and talking. <laughs> <laughs> you know that the first uh, Planet of the Apes movie in the new series, it's James Franco plays a neuroscientist experimenting on apes' brains. I know. Even them. though that happened after I started my PhD, it's why I became a neuroscientist. <laughs> even though I didn't watch it. But yeah. <laughs> Even though it happened afterwards and I didn't watch it, that's that's why I became a nurse. <laughs> well, I've cried in every movie if that's enough of a reason to watch. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy. Well, let's get down to business. I, I think we I think um sorry, I think I have to go with Hagrid. Does that make sense? That's okay. I don't I I mean I love Harry Potter. I love Robbie Coltrane. But more specifically, in a murder show that he's in called Cracker, that you should all watch. But in the books, in, but in the books, in mean, the books, the, the character, sorry, the character the Hagrid. Okay. I think yeah. Hagrid is just a, a calming, interesting character that always, yeah. Yes, know. he's the only maternal character in the, <laughs> the whole book, except for Madame Hooch. <laughs> 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 Brittany Murphy as Ty and Clueless versus James Cromwell as Farmer Hoggett and Babe. <laughs> oh no. One of these are really good. Oh no. Um, I'll go first. Um, I picked, I know we've talked about Clueless a lot on this show. In fact, <laughs> we did um, a whole episode on movies that should have won Oscars and haven't, and I a believe this ago, was a year, year ago. ago. Uh, and you Adam won, right? Clueless might have won. It was Adam's <laughs> pick. It's I am fully admitting to that. And in this case, I picked Ty from Clueless, played by the incredible Brittany Murphy. This movie, 
I don't think there's any doubt in our minds that it's the best movie ever. It was written directed by Amy Heckerling in 1995. It is a classic of our childhoods, but I think a, like a classic that stood the test of time. And Brittany Murphy plays Ty, who's this... Basically, every scene she's in is incredible. It's She's the awkward, ugly duckling who comes in from maybe New Jersey, from out of town, moves to California, and is in this super fancy school where everybody's dressing up with the help of computers, and it's just ridiculous. And her every reaction she has is perfect. Um, there's we could just like I could list scenes and they were every scene is the best scene. But anyway, she's like almost like the audience's eyes. She's definitely a supporting role, but is so amazing in herself in her own right. Um, she's supporting the two main characters, Cher and Dion. So you would say they're like the I guess the stars of the show, especially Cher. It's like the whole movie is about her, but it really is also about her relationship with Ty. And Ty's the one who makes her realize that she's the one, that she loves Josh. And it is just the best movie ever. And I, I love everything she does in it. So I'm going to tell you a humble story about a, a small uh, farmer who uh, adopts a, a pig and realizes that the pig has other talents than being a pig. He's also a sheep pig. Um, and takes him on to a, a contest. And um, I just don't want to describe this movie too much because I know it's going to, if I go too far down describing this movie, Zara's going to cry so hard that we're going to have to shut <laughs> this whole thing down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Babe is the star of that movie. Um, if the movie was made in a way that stunk, Farmer Hoggett would probably be the star of that movie. Um, he tells his own little story, and usually farmers, especially in children's uh, fair, are always the bad guys and super mean. You think of Animal Farm, you think of um, uh, Peter Rabbit, but Farmer Hoggett is actually a um, you know a British man uh, who actually has a lot of feelings and. When he finally lets them out. Again, I can't describe any of this too much or else Zara's going to cry too hard. Um, that'll I, do, pig. <laughs> but that'll, that'll do. do. That'll do. The beauty of Ty <laughs> is that she plays a straight man in that movie, except it is the most entertaining, funny straight man that ever exists. Like, that. that's what's so interesting about the character of Ty. Um... And I'm so sorry, Brandon, but like, I just, I can't not pick Ty. Like, you have could have you done the best Babe? arguing in the world. I love Farmer Hoggett. I, I, he's, you know how we've been talking about these characters, like Marissa Tomei or Jeff Goldblum, who these, like, they're inhabiting their character and they draw you to that character. I feel yeah. like the whole purpose and art of Farm, Farmer Hoggett and James Cromwell is that it's like so understated. It's it, so, but so beautifully understated. Beautifully understated, and it it pushes your attention away to the all the animals and the hijinks but on the when farm. When finally like does the dance to make Babe feel better. Oh my god, I can't go talk about that. See, look at this. The acting, <laughs> the acting is so good that it just it pulls you in. It's more the pig being sick. <laughs> I know, but when Ty just calls Cher a virgin that can't drive, I just weep. 
Or when she when she starts to cry, when she hears Rolling With My Homies in the diner, and she goes, this was our song. I can feel the waters here. I want to um, say that uh, James Cromwell, his ringtone, is himself saying that will do pig. No, to, to this day. Primary sources, primary sources. And I hope it's to this he day. He was arrested and sentenced to jail for protesting at a nuclear power plant. Oh yeah, I knew about that. Remember that? That happened. I'm sorry. I, I really think Farmer Hoggett is a is a. He's a great character. A like great I would character. pick him over Roddy McDowell or over Doctor Cornelius, but not Ty. Also, Oscar Oscar nominated. I think might be Oscar winning. Ty. No, James Cromwell. Oh. I got less less interested. (laughs) Can you imagine if that won an Oscar and we just didn't know all this time? That one doesn't exist. (laughs) Round two. Michael Keaton as Beat La Juice in Beat La Juice versus Marisa Tomei as Mona Lisa Vito in My Cousin Vinny. (gasps) Wow. Beetlejuice. A Beetlejuice. Is he friends with um, um, Spider-Man? Well, Spider-Man. Yeah. This is the British adaptation of Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice and Spider-Man. Uh, so I pick Beetlejuice because, yes, the movie is called Beetlejuice, but he is only in about, I think, four scenes in that whole movie. He is a supporting role, but you can't. Think of that movie without him. I know it's he's he's not in any way the main thrust of that movie, but you can't think of that movie without that performance. Uh, it, it was going to initially be a horror film, and they found that uh, they could they thought that they could build a comedy out of it. Brought to in Tim Burton. Um, and he brought in Michael Keaton, who at the time, we forget, was a starring comedic actor. Uh, this is before Batman, because Burton was the one that saw in Beetlejuice that he would be a good Batman. Um, and ste- steals every scene, is just just phenomenal. Uh, and uh, there's just no one else that probably could have pulled that off. And could well, they originally up. wanted to cast Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah, they didn't find like initially the 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 people before Tim Burton that were working on that movie didn't see what that role could become. It was just going to be a quick little like side like just a side role. I don't think that it would even be movie would even be called Beetlejuice. It was going to uh, be called Scared Sheetless. Yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah. And so that it's one of those things where as a, the the movie's filmed and and is evolved that a supporting actor can completely steal it. And that's why I just I love that movie. I love that role. And another he's another example of that like the rule, the role of Beetlejuice now can only be played by him. Mm-hmm. Like he is that role, and he did so much more with it than anyone else could, or just took it into places. Like I don't think it would have had the success that it had, and it wouldn't have had any like the movie full animated. Have. Yeah, no, exactly, and, and the animated in, spinoff and the merchandise and the whole thing. And he's in see like scenes, single digit scenes. It's uh, seventeen and a half minutes of the hour and a half movie. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
The main characters are Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin. The bad guy are the is the the family. Uh, he is he is a supporting role, and mm-hmm. that he that's how much he steals the movie. So, but then I'm against Marissa Tomei and my cousin Vinny. Also think he's a great comedic role, um, great supporting role. Um, but she supports, I think, particularly. She serves the character of Vinny, while I think Beetlejuice serves the story itself. And himself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm leaning Beetlejuice just because everything we've said about it becomes his movie. It's a full scene stealing, but in a, like, not in a way, I feel like it's both supporting and stealing, where it makes, yeah. it makes the movie the best, and it doesn't just serve himself. Yeah, because I think it's the difference about not to dissect him, he's just like crazy. But but I think is that he he's a force in that movie, and I think it makes everyone else's parts better. Where you know when he's coming, like people, the the characters fear when he comes in, the the uh, and it creates a tension that he's going to come in because when he comes in, he changes the dynamic of the of the whole thing. Um, I. I I'm comfortable with, but Beetlejuice. Me too. Um, me too. I'm only sad that Marissa Tomei didn't get an easier second round because she should really work her way up. But I, it's a, it's a no brainer. It's about the part. It's about you said. It's about the character. Yeah, it's an the- unlucky bracket. Unlucky bracket. <laughs> <laughs> Douglas Ruckus Cameron and Ferris Bueller's Day Off versus Jeff Goldblum as Dr. Ian Malcolm in Jurassic Park. I want to say it's the Battle of the Jews, but, but I A, don't know if that's appropriate or if it's true or not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I picked Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, Cameron is the prototype. The prototype of uh, uh, a supporting actor he's um ferris bueller's best friend that is a i think he's like melancholy and doldrums might be the best way to describe um cameron uh he is basically the antagonist to ferris bueller's um excitement about having fun in chicago so for every time ferris wants to do something exciting cameron is the voice of reason that's haunting in the background in a really interesting way because it's so sad and 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 worried and anxiety and type A, but somehow still maintains being the most like lovable human in the world and the best friend that everybody would want. Um, and I also want to bring up that his character and the decisions that are made by him are so important that in a recent um Supreme Court case that was about uh, search warrants and arrest. They used the still from Ferris Bueller's Day Off as part of their argument about Cameron's dad's car being stolen and backed into a, a, the woods. So even, I mean, if you want to go against Ruth Bader Ginsburg, that's your call. <laughs> um, I can't believe I'm admitting this, but I've never seen Ferris Bueller. What? Yeah, DP, I was waiting for that shoe to drop. I've never seen it. Zara. So we he invented looking at the camera. He's the best he wall breaking narrator in the world. 
think Orson Welles invented looking at the camera. But invented looking at a camera. Um, no, I said invented I mean, doing it well. <laughs> Wait. Oh, what? <laughs> but this you. actor I do like. Yeah, he's uh, from Spin City. Spin City, that's oh, what I wow. love. Well, this isn't going to stand a chance because you haven't seen it, but you need to see it, Zara. He's so good, you would love him. No, I do. I know the scene because I read about last year how that house was for sale. The um, the glass modernist house where the car was. So I know I know that scene. I just don't know why he took a day off. I don't know why he was in a parade. Fun. Okay. You I want to have some fun. You hate Matthew Broderick, right? I I do hate Matthew Broderick, but more like Matthew Broderick today, maybe not. Then? Yeah, I think you should watch it. I'll I'll secede to um, uh, Jeff Goldblum, but it's a really important that you watch that in the next year before we do another Oscar-related. Deepu, we've been doing podcast. a lot of um, Zora um, has a couple big blind spots with classic movies. Yeah, um, I'm going to come to you guys in the next month. But and we'll I, watch I it wouldn't have put Ferris Bueller in that pantheon because we're doing like. You know, Casablanca, and the third yeah. man, the third man, <laughs> all the president's but, men. <laughs> I will, and perhaps we can just do a little short reaction podcast where we revisit this vote after the movie. I can but list... I'll let it lose this round. I still think uh, mine would win, but uh, yeah, no, no, Jeff Goldblum wins all the way, all the <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Ian Malcolm all the way. Heather Mooney and Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion versus Parker Posey as Meg Swan from Best in Show. Oh, oh no! no. <laughs> I thought mine was so good, but Zara's no. is just as good. I can't. I refuse. <laughs> um, I'll go because Deepu just went, but... So this this exercise really just became a chance for me to list my favorite movies and then pick <laughs> the side, you know, the, the supporting roles in those movies. And my pick was Meg Swan from Best in Show, played by Parker Posey, who kills in every role she's in. This movie, what makes it, it was actually a hard, difficult decision because this movie is um, one of the mockumentary style movies created by Christopher Guest, where he sort of goes to this usual traditional cast of players and puts them in different roles and it's usually they work off an outline and the whole movie is mostly improvised and it was hard picking one character from best in show but my favorite couple and in my favorite character is meg swan she's half of the sort of upper class yuppie couple um hamilton and meg swan and they have the weimarammer called beatrice um, if you might remember, so they are just like super, super uptight, stressed out. And I just love them out of all the dog owners in the movie, which is like everyone is it's just perfect. This movie is so funny. And every, all of these side characters has their moment to shine. But my favorite mo- moment in the whole movie is when Beatrice is acting out and they can't get a hold on her. And they think that the only thing that would fix her is if they could find her busy bee, which is like a little stuffed bee. And so they can't find busy bee. And so Parker Posey makes one runs back to the hotel room to find it. She can't find it. And then eventually has to go to a pet store 
and try to find it. Of course, they don't have it. And it's just this perfect scene. I It's on YouTube and I actually watch it every now and then because it makes me laugh so hard when she's trying to convince the um, trying to find Busy Bee, but he doesn't have a bee. He just has like other yellow and black striped things or like other flying things. He has things. a bear dressed as a bee. He has a bear He's dressed a bear as a bee. A bee yeah. And he has um, a parrot. <laughs> And she eventually gets a parent, and he's like, that's the one that's the less like me. And it's just the most perfect, stereotypically uptight, anxious people, and she plays it perfectly. Um, it is so unfortunate, because I love that character, and I love that movie, and perhaps the only thing that I love more than it is Janine Garofalo as Heather Mooney in Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. <laughs> so um, she plays this character that was a um, nerd in, in high school that had a crush on the even bigger nerd played by Alan Cummings. So she hated Romeo and Michelle, even though they were sort of in her crew, she hated them. And her titular line was to tell her overweight friend that was very excited about the yearbook to fuck off, Toby. That was her, <laughs> that was her catchphrase. And then the premise of the movie is that they jump forward to the high school reunion doing flashbacks, and she becomes this high-powered, type-A, fast-acting businesswoman that makes a cigarette that burns in less than five seconds for the woman on the go. She just plays the most, like, acerbic, violent-tempered... Um, human of the world. The best description of it is a line from the end of a and end of the movie where um, she gets along with Romeo and Michelle, and Michelle, played by Lisa Kudrow, says, "I feel like we gave birth to a baby, except it's a really angry thirty-year-old woman," <laughs> <laughs> and, and it perfectly captures her. And so, the only reason I think um, Heather Moody might have a leg up on Parker Posey is that if you asked me who I thought the star of Best in Show is, I would have said Parker Posey. Because it's, it's, it's the curse no, of the No, you ensemble. wouldn't you wouldn't say Parker Posey. No, she's not the star of Best no, in Show. No, it's a true it's ensemble. It's a true it's ensemble, but I think that the... the Maybe Eugene Levy and... Eugene Levy, um, I think, is the, the star. Catherine O'Hara. Yeah, I think yeah. they're definitely the, um, I'm, the I'm center of that story. I'm just going to look up who's build real quick. Probably Christopher Guest, maybe. Probably Christopher Guest, but I think that... I, I from the, In that story, I think the Terrier people are the... Because like, they have the whole beginning, middle, and end yeah, triumph. Yeah, they've got a real arc in it. Oh, I Jennifer own... Coolidge is labeled first build. Oh, because she's the most famous now, I think. Yeah. Um, It's just... There's, it's just hard in an ensemble hard. cast to pick a... Um... Can I share one tidbit? No, I think my my vote is on Parker <laughs> Posey. I, I, I think that that... I mean, that, she's like the character actor's character actor. She is kills is... it in every role. But I mean, in that uh, that character, if look at like the character and um, yeah. the hair, the braces, it's all the shades of beige. <laughs> it's a full package, and I do think that that is one of the scenes that I really think about when I think about that movie. Is the busy bee? The busy bee is so funny. I probably watch it at least once a year, if not more. But you don't think about down. that scene where where she walks into the reunion and Toby asks her if she has her name tag and she goes, fuck off, Toby. And then she goes, Heather Mooney, is that you? <laughs> you are making me. So I had Romy Michelle on a video cassette and would watch. No, actually, it was DVD by that point, wasn't it? 
It was on DVD. No, it was a video cassette. I had no, it was a video cassette. I had it, and I had the soundtrack, and I watched it all the time, and you're making me actually want to... I haven't watched it probably since I was 17 or 18. I would love it's to so watch good. it again. It's such a smart comedy. So I'll use this later when we play Best Comedies Ever Made. So I'll also see to this, because I also love Parker Posey in that movie. She, she's God's it's gift just so, to Christopher. I'd say her... like. Uh, other not other people but her version like her role in it is so nuanced like it's yeah. so perfect it's more of a real person than like an over the top character no 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 it's beautiful she does that maybe i vote braces she does the whole she thing does with, it braces. with braces yeah there's so many there's so many touches on that cat every one of those characters is beautifully built but hers but is she's just the, best. the hair the earth tones the braces Oh, oh uh, how they both met at different Starbucks. Yeah, at different Starbucks. L.L. Bean catalog. Reading L.L. Bean They're catalog. L.L. Bean catalog. <laughs> oh, I wanted to go through to beat Jeff Goldblum. Let's move Parker Posey on. <laughs> Good, I'll share my... I have one trivia fact that I'll save. Robbie Coltrane as Ruby as Hagrid in Harry Potter versus Brittany Murphy as Ty and Clueless. I'm sorry, Hagrid. I can't. Like what? No. I think this is just up to Brandon. You know how we both feel about it, Brandon. You'd both know how we feel. <laughs> no, wait. I'm saying no to Hagrid. I'm saying yes to Hagrid. Oh. I I I I like Hagrid. Ugh. I like Hagrid. But she's dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Hag- Hagrid survived. Hagrid somehow survives um, to carry Harry's bo- dead body back to the castle. I mean, that character. So I almost picked supports his dead body. I almost picked Snape <laughs> for this. Oh, I would have. Snape's a good choice, um, except I would pick Snape for the actor, not for the character. Right. Right. Um, but I'm picking Hagrid for the character in the movie. Again, if we go back to who do you want to have brunch with, it would be really hard for me to choose, but I think I would still pick Hagrid. I just, Hagrid's not like my favorite character in the Harry Potter universe. I would rather pick the hippogriff or any McGonagall. magical animal. That's or McGonagall. Yeah, and like McGonagall. We have to play the cards we're dealt. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. That's why I just, my, I'm, you both are picking Hagrid, so that's the end. But Zara, if you really wanted to have brunch with McGonagall, you could think about just setting up a mirror across the table. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, thank you. To be fair to Dame Maggie Smith. Wow, I'm blushing. (laughs) Kindest thing I ever said to you, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Semi-finals. Michael Keaton as Beatla Juice and Beatla Juice versus Jeff Goldblum as Dr. Ian Malcolm in Jurassic Park. So my favorite part about that is that it's they pronounce the name one way and the movie it's like Beat Juice and Beat Lurjuice. Like yeah, it's I, I, I typed in the same way. So there's some like machine learning going on there where it thinks that one is spe- pronounced, pronounced slightly differently. I prefer beet lo juice. Beet lo juice. <laughs> beet lo juice. 
Uh, where, where do you, where are you guys? These are both my picks. So where hmm. do you guys fall? I think this is going to be tough because my guess is I have strong feelings towards Michael Keaton and Beat LaJuice. Like strong positive uh-huh. or strong negative? Very strong positive. I love Jeff Goldblum, don't get me wrong, but I find him intolerable in Jurassic Park. I, He's my, I, mean, I hate philosophy. Isn't that part I of the character, that. though? Is that you're supposed to feel? I know, I know. And I get that Beetlejuice is annoying in its own right, but he is just so magnetic. There's something so magnetic about Michael Keaton in that movie. And interesting that, and, like, just unique. Like, there's no other person who would do it that way. And it's Michael Keaton playing somebody unique. I know we're not supposed to get into the actors, but he doesn't play anything even close to Beetlejuice ever. Well, I think he's just an incredible actor. Like every, even his comedy roles, they're completely different people. Yeah, Mr. Mom, Duplicity, Birdman. That one where he's a snowman, but a dad. Jack Frost. Jack Frost. He's, that's it's. Yes, he's playing. He's playing. But he's two playing people. two people: snowman a and a dad. And a snowman version of the dad. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff um, Goldblum even plays Jeff Goldblum when he's a deformed fly. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum's always Jeff Goldblum. Really, the character here is Jeff Goldblum in the role of Jeff Goldblum in the role of Dr. Ian Malcolm. <laughs> it's at least three Jeff Goldblums deep. Yeah. So I vote Michael Keaton. Yeah, I'm. Who am I? I'm gonna go for Beetlejuice too, just because it's it's a perfect example of a supporting. Like, if we're going to go back to the idea of a best supporting character, he truly is the best at what he's yeah. doing. Yeah. Yeah. Parker Posey as Meg Swan from Best in Show versus Robbie Coltrane as Rubius Hagrid in Harry Potter. Can I tell you my fun fact now? Yes. yes. So originally, um, the couple, Megan Ham- Hamilton Swan, were going to have a pointer dog. But it, uh, due to, I think, either the dog wasn't available or they were having trouble working with the pointer dog, it was switched out to a Weimaraner. And then when the characters had a pointer, Parker Posey and uh, Michael Hitchcock, who plays Hamilton, decided that their characters shopped at J. Crew, but when they got a Weimaraner, they shopped at Banana Republic. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good, right? Isn't that like those characters deep. wouldn't have? I mean, that's what every every ounce of that movie is so well thought out because I don't think them working with a pointer works. But them with a Rhymer Reamer works because those dogs are so like well the ghost eyes yeah. yeah weird those dogs are so weird and it would be exactly the kind of dog that would develop a stress disorder because yeah. of the, the parents being so crazy and then oh I love the that when they said we had to get rid of him because he had bad energy or whatever yeah. <laughs> No, but the reason why he was, or no, is a girl. The reason why Beatrice was upset was because she walked in on them having sex or like saw them having sex somehow. (laughs) And she like couldn't handle it. Um, There's another fun quote from Parker Posey that she made the character shop for only beige and tan clothes because Weimaramers just look so delusional and lost, (laughs) which is true. So each character is supposed to reflect their dog. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, I guess that, that does work. Yeah. Well, can I just share my one fact and then and then Brandon, you can decide? Yeah. Um, my one fact is that Rubius Hagrid is the only person that ever um brought Madame Maxime to orgasm. 
I love that couple. I will say that. Is that is that in canon? In in canon. <laughs> That's the only person. Doesn't she look at him with like a wanton look? Yeah, they hook up. Do they hook up or is it they go on a date or something? He's wow. half giant and she's so, half is she uh, half giant too? Yeah. They're both half yeah, giant. Yeah, but she doesn't like to talk about it. <laughs> wow, there's so much territory to cover on that that <laughs> See, night Hunter together. Is, like, it, it, the, the problem here with um we should have maybe set this in the rules. Because I thought this too about um, I almost brought in a Lord of the Rings character and I knew it was doomed to fail. Um, Boring. Nobody likes it. Yes, please. <laughs> universally, universally <laughs> liked. Won many Oscars, I might add. Uh, no, I can't hear you anymore every time you say Lord of the Rings. I don't know. What no, but no, but I'm, I'm not even talking about I think the, the microphone cut out. I'm just saying that with Hagrid or any Lord of the Rings characters, there's many 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 stories and movies to pull stuff from so we've been talking about Hagrid we've been talking across many movies <laughs> this word, we're, for Meg Swan we're talking about probably 18 minutes <laughs> if, that, <laughs> if that probably like if three that, three, three minute scenes <laughs> yeah and she's still hanging in our minds yeah. as having a competition against a character that's had Multiple movies. Deepu, give me a movie and I will judge Hagrid in that movie versus Meg Swan in Best in Show. Uh, I'm going to go with Harry Potter 1. Well, he like finds baby Harry. He says, Yeah. He says, You're a wizard. He says, You're a wizard, Harry. Yeah. He rides a motorcycle, the flying motorcycle. Yeah, that's cool. Um, He He gives Harry tea. Oh, yeah. He, Go to Diagon Alley. Why he's not a wizard anymore in that movie, right? I totally yeah. forgot that whole subplot. There are a lot of subplots in Harry Potter, but. That he was like a squib, whatever they call it. Well, he wasn't yeah. a squib because squib is you have no magical ability. They he call, was a bad boy. No, but the wizards that aren't wizards <laughs> anymore, they have some like. They have some racial slur for those people, don't they? No, those are people that never had powers to begin with, but they were born from two wizard parents. No, because it's like the wizard world is very racist. I feel like there's a whole movie about squibs. There should be. About what it's like to be a black sheep in a wizard world. But what is he? Like, he's not... I I didn't even think he was magical at all. He was was, uh, in uh, Gryffindor. He was? Gryffindor. Oh my god. Come on. Come he on. also can do basic spells, Zara. I know, but I thought he could do like also, potion I was just spells. looking at Hagrid's Wikipedia. It's always crazy to me that uh, those, movies, those movies take place in the 90s, although they came out in the 2000s, because Hagrid's years at Hogwarts are 1940 through 1943. Oh. Oh. Weird, right? You don't think of him as that, as that old. He's a beard. Um, <laughs> he has a beard. Yeah. Oh, anyway, I, I'm going with I'm going with Meg Swan. Yeah, I'm sticking with Meg Swan just because Hagrid's not he's not my character from those movies. It's just an it, it, maybe as in all seven movies, but it, it, even in that one movie, I, I think if if you might have gone with them was um uh, the one where he helps out a little bit more. The Triwizard Tournament one, anyway. This might be controversial, but I'm just going to say it's a tough year for white males. Let's move on to the next. (laughs) He's half giant. What do you consider giants? Tough year for the white man. Let's move on. You're such an ally, Deepu. Final round. 
Michael Keaton as Beatla Juice in Beatla Juice versus Parker Posey as Meg Swanson Best in Show. I mean, we love Parker Posey, but... <laughs> yeah, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. I don't think there's much more that has to be, that has to be said here, like, uh, other than... Well, we said Beatle Juice plenty of times now. That's yeah, but let's, maybe let's close out this round with each one of us saying it once, and then it invokes him into the space. <laughs> well, I'm going to say Beatla Juice. <laughs> Beatla Juice. <laughs> Beatla Juice. <laughs> <laughs> The Totes Faves Best Supporting Characters are Number 5, Brittany Murphy as Ty and Clueless Number 4, Jeff Goldblum as Dr. Ian Malcolm in Jurassic Park Number 3, Robbie Coltrane as Rubius Hagrid in the Harry Potter series Number 2, Parker Posey as Meg Swan in Best in Show And number 1 is Michael Keaton as Beetlejuice in Beetlejuice You know what's the only thing that's better than doing um, Totes Faves with my two dear friends, Brendan and Zara? It's watching Dr. Sandra Lee, YouTube sensation, Dr. Pimple Popper, scrape out people's blackheads from their backs. I disagree. I I am obsessed with Dr. Pimple Popper. The whole Murdy family discovered it together all at once, including age range of 65. This Christmas, you know, you know, it's from like two years ago, all the way down to two year old Mia. We all watched Dr. But I'm curious, like, because this was a big thing, I want to say two years ago or a year ago. Three years ago. So, so what made what, what caused the discovery? Deep sounding very I judgy. So I didn't think you have a big back catalog. Deep. Ew. So the reason oh, we it's found back catalog. We're not very oh back catalog. That's funny because um, she pops a lot of blackheads from people's backs. Uh, is that we didn't notice it from YouTube, but rather it just got picked up by TLC as a half hour oh. TV show. And then once we heard that, they called her a YouTube sensation, and then we got on board with the YouTube. Oh, I kind of want to watch the show. Yeah, it goes a lot more into, like, how whatever deformity that she fixes is really affecting the person's life, and then you see her remove it, and then they're happy. Yeah. Because the cool part I did, there was a New Yorker profile of her that went into how she asks permission of all of her patients to post videos, and she'll do, like, a, a weird, if you let me post this video, you can have this treatment for free. And so she has certain repeat customers who have really, really bad, like, nose acne, for yeah. example, who always go back to her. And then she gives them free treatments to be able to post the videos, which is nuts. But and it's the, it just, I like the quid pro quo. It really bothers me. And the whole thing really bothers me. And I've had some pretty nasty things d- popped. And it reminds me of that. It's nasty. It's awful. And uh, it's. I don't it, mind the blackheads ones, but I can't watch the cysts. The cysts, I don't like. I that can't much. watch it. It makes me feel sick. But it's yeah. also opened up this whole new world. That, now you know I'm watching. Pain. It's painful. No, but they put a no, topical an anesthetic. Yeah, it's, no, she's uh, they're fine. She's a good doctor. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where you've been going, Brandon. No, but I've had. I am a very pale person. All sorts of things have been taken away from me into different points. Uh, 
I don't know. It really bothers. I, there's other. I can recommend some other YouTubes for you to. to oh yeah, watching people clean out earwax. That's Dr. Dave. I'm into uh, that now too. I can't. That, I can't watch that one. There's another person who pulls out hair from people's butt cysts. <sighs> and they somehow make the videos all right by shoving a cotton ball in the butthole before they start taking the hair. Oh, that's so demure. So, uh, so, that's a lonely in Philadelphia. Uh, but that's my favorite of the week. What's your favorite, Zara? Well, speaking of things that are delicious, um, mine was Brandon's family very kindly gave us a sous vide for Christmas, and it's one of, the, yes, it is a very on-trend kitchen gadget, and so I was a little bit wary. And I got Brandon, the one, there's only one sous vide cookbook, and I got it for Brandon for his birthday, and now we're ready. And we made our first couple of things. We made ice cream, like the custard base. Basically what it is, it's oh. you, you can just use a Ziploc bag, um, and you sort of create a vacuum very easily with the Ziploc bag. You put the food inside with whatever you're marinating the food in, and then drop it into a pot of water and then you stick the sous vide in which is basically like a thermometer heater so it maintains the water temperature at a very low temperature the for machine is hours the machine yeah the is machine cooks the stovetop does not cook so how long did it take to make the ice cream so the ice cream to make a custard was an hour yeah but then we did steak for about two and a half hours and we with that we did um potatoes so you sous vide them for like an hour and a half and then roast them and they were the most delicious perfect crispy on the outside mushy on the inside roasted potatoes so now we've made like three things in it all super successes and it's it is kind of fun because it takes um that part of cooking where you're worried about is it done is it not done i can't tell all the, stre- all the, the stress, stress is, gone. is gone it just takes way longer it makes cooking yeah. a lot more into baking like yes baking. it's very if you're finicky the kind of person that's like oh i stink at cooking because cooking is a lot of feel judgment touch yeah. and judgment and people that are good at baking are people that are very analytical and numbers based and like oh i just put it in for two hours and it's done um sous vide's a lot like that where you the it's cooking under the pressure of the vacuum and cooking in its own juice, juices. So you cook at a very low temperature. So it's very mm-hmm. weird to say, oh, I cooked my steak at 130 degrees because you're trying to get the steak's insides to 130, to 130 degrees. So I suggest that I come over in a couple weeks. We pop some potatoes in a bag, watch yep. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and then eat them afterwards. Sounds good. As long as we're not popping anything else, I'll be. Oh, Brandon! It is great. It is. It is. It is great. It's. It's. It's a thing that's very obnoxious and strange. But once you like, kind of, and Zara was very hesitant. I just. I'm like hesitant about new kitchen gadgets, but this one, two thumbs up, the best. Yeah. Uh, Also, in my Christmas haul, I got from my parents a um, a. an off-brand Roomba, which my dad is very big on what's the number one seller on Amazon. So when I asked for a Roomba, he got me the number one selling Amazon choice bestseller uh, in robotic vacuums, which is a, um, a house happy or something. It's a Chinese uh, ripoff of a Roomba. Oh, sorry, Roomba. it's house smile? House smile. <laughs> ah, that sounds right. Uh, and... It is 
a small little uh, new pet, and I, I really like it. It works really great. Um, the one we're having little problems that I think everyone that has a Roomba has, uh, where it will sometimes get stuck. And then it feels very helpless. It looks very helpless. <laughs> it, it will get stuck underneath like the TV um, stand and not be able to get out. And It'll it wedge itself like, and then be like, rrr, rrr. <laughs> oh, no. but they work. And it, when they when they work perfectly, it does feel like you're living in the future. Especially like in one day where we have the sous vide going, the robot vacuum going, and we're just and what's we, left. And then we tell Alexa to turn on and off the lights and play music for us, and and it just feels like we're living in the Jetsons. <laughs> Very exciting. So, Deepu, uh, where can people find you other than in the general Philadelphia area? Um, you can find me on Twitter at VP Murdy, um, and you can't find me anywhere else for now. Are you are you gonna start your own YouTube like you were uh, saying? Oh, you mean a vlog? No, I just bought no. that to have um, video conferences. Oh. Uh, but maybe I'll pop my own um, something. That's not j- just what's on YouTube. It's a billion. <laughs> I'll, in the long honored tradition of YouTube, I'll find something to pop. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Laura, where can I find you, girl? <laughs> hey. Um, you can find me on Twitter at ZaraFS, where you'll find me tweeting at MoviePass and yelling at them to reinstate my account, which they haven't done. <laughs> That's the sole purpose of Twitter right now. Um, you can watch a show where I'm a producer, Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen, Sunday through Thursday nights live at 11. On Bravo, and um, very soon on HalfMoonGuides.com, I'll be posting my big guide to Andalusia, which is um, a place I went with my family this past December. It's um, an area in southern Spain, and we hit that up and ate uh, many, many plates of ham. And so you can have a list of all my favorite plates of ham um, very soon online. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Brandon? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BB Werner. And my comedy history project, Laughing Historically, on YouTube and Instagram at Laughing Historically, which uh, I'm trying to push out of the uh, the winter hibern- hibernation because there's a lot of uh, fun things that I want to talk about from our adventures in Europe. Um, a lot of cool stuff. I've, I feel I've learned a lot more about and have a bit much more of an appreciation about Napoleon after our trip to France. Um, and so, yeah, I'm working on some stuff there. And uh, I've been working on uh, Star Trek and its show After Trek. So uh, if you're into science fiction and diversity and great, very well-written gay characters, um, watch Star Trek. And if you like this show, Totes Faves, please rate and subscribe to Totes Faves wherever your podcasts are stored. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for updates on future episodes. That's at Totes Faves. And this week in our Apple podcast review section, let us know if you think the etiology of beet le juice is French, Dutch, or Arabic. <laughs> <laughs>